transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. It's May 17th on Make Me an Island and the forecast is good so we wanted to save uh, Monty and the Cyclones and the wonderful summertime uh, until uh, we were pretty sure of a good forecast and summertime, the title of the tune, you're very welcome to the show and Cora is back from floor number three for show number 18. It's been 36 days since April 11th and it's been an incredible journey for me personally after banging my head off the brick wall for so long to be back uh, opening these lines, reopening these lines of communication. So I want to thank you all for all the uh, goodwill that you've sent back my way and I want to thank the Minister for Everything, Communication, Martial Artist and uh, Production Ninja Ian Cudmore in the People's Republic of Cork uh, from the uh, next door uh, via Australia, the Kingdom of Kerry, Kate Ferris, uh, Minister for Magical Thinking. Thanks so much, Kate. And if you want to continue to support uh, the project, then you'd be delighted to uh, 
have your company and you can get in touch with the programme if you have any implements of revolution like a super yacht, for instance, uh, with an aerial and a transmitter, uh, then donal at makemeanisland.ie. From now on, after uh, 18 shows in 36 days, a 50% average from the floor, which I'll take, it's going to be a case of a weekly podcast. There will be uh, in-between broadcasts on uh, Patreon and uh, Thanks to everybody who has supported us there thus far. For the last show in the Isolation Radio Service series, uh, it's a very special, extended special, Islander special. Um, not only do they live uh, under the same roof in London as husband and wife, but Bridget Maypar and Peter Broderick are forever next to each other in the pantheon of Make Me an Island guests. And he's going to be along in just a little while. Thank you. on Mayday, beautiful piece of music. We rejoice, Peter Broderick, and we can uh, say Peter Broderick's on the phone. Hi, Peter. Hello, Donal. Hi, Peter. How are you? How does that sound down the... uh... I'm doing just fine. How are you doing? Good, man. Thank you very much. And um, I just love that piece of music that you you put out um, just recently. Would the piano be... uh, Where does it come in your list of, of instruments of choice? Well, the piano's always been one of my favorites. I mean, when you play music by yourself, which is what I do a lot, um, it's just such a rewarding instrument to play, right? Because at there with your two hands, you have such a rich spectrum of sound from the low bass to the high highs and everything in between. Um, mm-hmm. That piece, actually, I, I just I hadn't heard that in a while myself, and um, I was just remembering that that, that was originally originally written for my brother-in-law's wedding my brother-in-law had asked me to uh um, play some music at his wedding and um so that piece was written for like when the ceremony was over and everyone supposed to be happy and walking out the door uh well there's a there's a there's a there's a strong bang of happiness off it great great i'm glad (laughs) that translates uh so peter can i just we're going to talk about some selections uh, you've um 
given us some choices of instrumental music in terms of uh, the other meaning of the word instrumental. But just on your own, um, I mean, um, I was pretty staggered. I was talking to Bridget yesterday about Tim Buckley, about his his uh, recording of Happy Sad, but I was pretty staggered to discover that that you recorded the album Home at the same age of 21 and you had already been playing with Efter Klang at that point, or is that the case? So um, can you just tell us a little bit about those early days and, and the beginning of the musical journey? Yeah, well, um, as you say, I, 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 that album Home came out when I was 21 years old. It was actually recorded when I was 20, I believe. Um, but um, at that time, yeah, I had been touring around with Afterclang, and that, that in and of itself is quite a magical story. I, I met them just through MySpace, if you can remember MySpace, yeah. in the early more um, um, innocent days of social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I met them through there, and they were one of my favorite groups. And just through a lucky twist of fate, I ended up moving over to Denmark and touring with them and also supporting them as a solo act. Um, and that's mm-hmm. really what got my career started. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Did, did you have then, um, so take us back a little bit further, right? So you were born in Maine, but brought up in uh, Oregon, right? Yes, which sounds funny because those are like the two opposite sides of yeah. the giant country that is the United States. But yeah, my family, I was born in, in, in Maine in the countryside and then my family got in a Volkswagen van and drove all the way over to Oregon when I was three and a half, four years old. And I, I grew up there. Mm-hmm. And the family were musical, right? Am I right in saying that? Yes. Uh uh, everyone in the family was musical and I'm the youngest of three kids. So by the time I came along, the house was kind of full of instruments and all of us kids played several instruments and uh, my parents as well played, both played several different instruments. So yeah, I was very, very supportive of, of uh, music mm-hmm. in the household. Yeah. So, so just the genesis of that incredible record um, is really music that you would have written at home before the journey in, began in earnest when you met Efterklang? Well, actually, bef- it, um, before I met Efterklang, I was focusing more on, um, you know, instrumental soundscape, classical-ish kind of music. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I started touring with them and performing more, I realized that for some reason I just didn't feel right about only playing instrumental music on stage i wanted to also play music that was mu- the, the the sort of music where you look out at people and engage with them in a in a storytelling kind of way like like you do with a guitar in your voice mm-hmm. so from from the start of my live shows um i was i was i was doing a combination of this in- instrumental more introverted stuff and then you know the the more um easily uh the the other more folk style of music um mm-hmm. and so but when i when i started playing shows i had i had recorded you know the more instrumental side but i didn't have any recordings or or at least any a full record of of the of the vocal based stuff so that's when i decided to to make home um I, 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 well what a great story i mean it's um you make it sound kind of easy but but it is uh just one of the great records so look i i want to tell you peter that at this time that that came out i was um on the radio and uh, you know when you're actively looking for music um and something like that comes along where you can play pretty much every track but also on a personal level 
I'm permanently unreachable. So the idea of there being a song called Not at Home was like manna from heaven. So I'm just going to play that one if, if you don't mind, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, please, please, yeah. i 
remains an absolutely incredible record uh, that's not at home from home by Peter Brodrick, 20 year old Peter Brodrick. Peter, so you were at that point more or less finding or feeling your way around writing and singing the songs. But, but would you have been writing, well, you were writing music for a long time, but would you have had lyrics or sort of were they around before that or, or was it a case of, of suddenly applying yourself to songwriting? Yeah, I think um, it, it was a bit of a jumping into the deep end thing to make a whole record of songs where, you know, there are words being sung and ultimately, you know, people, if they want to, are going to scrutinize those words and um, derive as much meaning out of them as they can or they want to. So, so yeah, that was a little bit, uh, um, a little bit t- t- slightly terrifying. But at the same time, you know, I just was so passionate about the music and the work that I just sort of charged full speed ahead making yeah. this stuff and, and focused on that. And the idea of uh, the idea of the voice as an instrument in terms of, um, you know, discovering your way into that idea. So um, on home, you really do sort of multi-layer the voice all the time and there's lots of, of work on that. I mean, was that kind of a liberating thing for you to, to discover, be able to do that? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just realizing that it's uh, now that it's so appropriate to be um, talking about home because one of the songs that I sent to you um, uh, is a song called uh, by Brian Eno called mm-hmm. uh, "I'll Come Running," mm-hmm. and there's there's a bit in the end of that song where he really layers up his voice in these sort of weaving. Uh, different layers that play with each other, and that was a direct inspiration for. Um, one song in particular on home that's called and it's all right where at the end you have these different layers of the voice coming in and weaving around each other in these in these cyclical patterns um and and that was a yeah i i i really ripped that straight off of brian eno that particular idea okay yeah that's really interesting because i i was going to ask you when it came to uh listening to brian eno about um the idea of the studio as an instrument as well, but maybe we should um, listen to Brian Eno and chat some more. So is there anything else about this particular piece, uh, I'll Come Running, Peter, that you'd like to say before we hear it? Well, I just, I've always loved the really playful nature of it, especially in context of that record. You know, that that record by Brian Eno, Another Green World, it's like, it's like being yanked and pulled from universe to universe. And it's, I, I've always loved that huge variety. And I've always strived for that in my own work, whether it's from album to album or track to track. I love, I love diversity and variety. And uh, yeah. so, so yeah, to really get the full effect of this song, I think you got to hear it in context, but it definitely stands up on its own as well and, and was a huge inspiration to me. Yeah. Uh, actually, I read, I wrote down a quote uh, when I was reading about um, the album yesterday, and it says, the aural equivalent of um, a park on the moon, oneness with nature under conditions of artificial gravity. So the, the whole universe is in there. So let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. This is Brian Eno. Just watching patiently 
Green World by Brian Eno, I'll come running. I think the, the quote about the conditions of artificial gravity um, is a good one because things just fall differently in Brian Eno's sound and uh, there's something so beautiful about the way everything is arranged and it fits so perfectly. Yeah, and that one in particular, it feels like, you know, a real uh, pop song for pop song's sake, but, 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 but in Brian Eno's universe. So it's like in some alien world yeah. trying to make regular pop song, yeah. you know, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then in terms of, of the idea, just something that, that I've I've known for a while, Peter, I don't know if you know about his his grandfather and both his grandfather and his father um, were repaired organs. So I, there's a quote that I just want to read you. Right. Um, so music was okay. already in his genes. In addition to coming from a long line of postmen, Brian Eno was born into an equally redoubtable lineage of eccentric musical dabblers and amateur instrumentalists. His grandfather had been a saxophone player and had even spent time in Germany playing professionally with parade bands. 
He also built and repaired church organs, mechanical pianos, music boxes and hurdy-gurdies. So devoted to his organs was he that he could never throw away even the most insignificant broken component. As a result, he amassed a trove of stops, keys, valves, pipes and miscellaneous mechanical parts which filled every nook in the Crown Place house. Towards the end of his life, he would meticulously transform the debris into one enormous holistic organ with over 600 pipes extending like some sprawling H.R. Geiger fantasy along every wall and into every corner of the house. This is a quote from Brian. When he died, they just broke up. They just broke it up. It was a great shame, but he had made an organ that he could sit inside, actually. That's what it was. It was all around him. <laughs> I love the idea of Brian Eno's grandfather like making an organ uh, with 600 pipes that he could sit into. Yeah. There's something absolutely. kind of fitting it, about that. Very much so, you know. The way the way, you know, you could see Brian Eno in his in his studio as a modern day version of that same thing, couldn't you? Completely. Completely. Yeah. And the idea of him kind of reenacting it through his oblique strategies and I mean his incredible mastery of technology and uh, his, you know, I mean, so progressive in, in so many ways, but yet in tune somehow with what his father and grandfather was doing. I, th I think that's a beautiful, a very much a kind of a telling insight into his, his imaginary world. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, you know, Brian Eno has just, his influence, I think, first and foremost, has just been in the sheer diversity of his work, you know. Um, it's just so diverse, and 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 I I personally really love that, and I've always strived for that as well, and I've always been drawn to those type of characters. Also, you know, someone who else that I know you enjoy quite a bit, Arthur Russell, yeah, um, was also uh, so diverse like that as well. Yeah, uh, and I suppose the limitations or the lack of them really that that freedom is something that it's the ultimate goal, I suppose, as an artist. Yeah, to not be, you know, uh, chained into one particular style. I mean, some people find freedom within limitations, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I can, I, I can feel that too. From project to project, I often will have a set of limitations, but I would never want to feel uh, uh, bound, bound throughout my lifetime to a particular style, you know. Yeah, and and when you say that you would be sort of the limitations that the, the that there would be in the freedom, um, you yourself you collaborate a lot with people from other art forms, choreographers and uh, directors and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Do you find that challenge is sort of being taken outside of your comfort zone? That that is something that that you gravitate towards. Yeah, always, you know, um, and and it it kind of happens, comes and goes in in waves. Also with with collaborating with other musicians and groups, you know, um, I, I kind of sometimes if I've done a bunch of solo work, I really start to feel uh, the need to collaborate more. Mm -hmm. uh, and then once I've done a lot of collaborations, I really start to feel like, oh no, I want to I want to pull in and focus on what I want to do for a while. So mm -hmm. for me, it's always been about the balance of 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 that all that. Um, on that point, Peter, I just want to, to ask you about a collaboration that you did um, with David Alred uh, in 2017, oh, yeah. is it uh, the Find the Ways album? So this is an album really that, that kind of extends, I suppose, maybe it's almost 10 years after the home record. But here the voice is used in a very different way. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about this one? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I I really am very. Uh, I when I think about that record, I I feel really good, and that, that's that's not the same for all the records I've made. Some of them feel quite murky, but that one, it's just it's very pure. It's very honest. It's all recorded live. There's not a single overdub. And you know, David uh, is playing the upright bass and singing and I'm playing the violin and singing and making a, a record where I only use my violin is something I had wanted to do for a while um, so yeah like I said before you know about having limitations and then finding the freedom within that you know David and I set this this very strict limitation for that record that we were just going to use our two voices and our two string instruments mm -hmm. and then we were able to to sort of you know get our own personal abilities on those instruments um so yeah i, I you know so david wrote some of the material and i wrote some of the material and we collaborated on some mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's a very 50 50 raw collaboration what about this one that i'm going to play the ways where, where does that come from Ways is it is a piece that David wrote actually um but you know he, he wrote it specifically for that project uh having in mind that i'd be singing you know uh, right along with him, note for note, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's just such a joy that piece. Yeah, I'd love to hear it if you want. Oh yeah, man. I, well, let's all hear it. The ways. There are cars on the street next to people on their feet, both breathing the same air, both breathing the same air, regardless of income, possessions, and name, and your fame, and whoever you claim to be. In the grand scheme, we're all the same. We're all the same. There are places to go and things you should know about the world in which we live, about the world in which we live. It's a curious, mysterious place full of secrets and people who live in misery overseen. If we're all the same, then how can this be? How can this be? I know that I have a voice and even that's not my choice. But I'll use it anyway, I'll use it anyway Even though it might not be heard by enough people To help spread the word that I have some growing concerns for us all But if we open our ears, may we minimize our fears May we minimize our fears we live in a time where everything moves too fast for our own good. We knew it would. So why don't we help each other more? We clearly could do it, but it's like we're at war with ourselves, with ourselves with ourselves. If we open our minds to the possibility that things can change for the better, 
for everybody. In a world where there's anger, confusion, and the wonder of how and when it will all come to an end. In the meantime, let's find more ways to be kind. Let's find the way. On that bombshell, I would recommend that everybody listening will find the ways. That's the album. That's what it's called. That's David Alred and uh-huh. Peter Broderick. Such um, a beautiful recording um, of that. And, and that album is just sublime. Well, thanks, Donal. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you, you've enjoyed it. It's, I, I, I always am, am most proud when, when, a, when the best results can be achieved with the littlest means, you know, mm, like yeah. that's just two voices. Yeah. singing and that's and, and if you can make that work then yeah that will how, how how great you know so oh yeah but any i mean you know what um just i don't know whether this is the most crazy comparison but there's it's lockdown and there's a fever but it's more like um when you know that that figure skating thing when there's duets where there's two people throwing themselves around the ice and uh, i can't yeah. skate for nothing but i don't know i've just kind of obsessed with that being something that you know two human beings together can do and it's so perfect it's like perfect harmony and unison and that reminded me of uh, what i just heard there or rather it, it brought it to mind because yeah i think there's something so simple and effective and wonderful about yeah. um, the combination there of as you say just two people breathing in a particular way more or less yeah i would have loved to see a music video for that track of just two people figure skating that would yeah. have been awesome I think I think we're seeing it in our heads right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we should make that happen. But there is um, so in in the simplicity there. Um, the next choice um, is a woman, Laurie Anderson, who who really explored the voice in so many interesting and um, creative ways, and um, and yeah. kind of invented things in order to change her voice. Where did she come in in your in your musical journey, Peter? <sighs> Yeah, it's a very specific memory. That piece that I sent to you, um, I, you know, I was trying to think of pieces that, you know, uh, were, were very formative moments for me. And, and at that time, it was around, I don't know, I, I, it must have been around 2010 or 11. And I was becoming increasingly interested in speaking during songs. And, and this weird thing that happens when you're singing and then all of a sudden you start speaking. It's, it's, it can be so abrupt and um and and um jarring actually it's like they're two very different functions of the voice you know um um so i was just becoming really interested in in playing with this and and i was messing around with it in some of my own songs and one day i i played a song to someone um it was a friend of a friend that we were i was just sharing with them something i'd made and he said uh he asked me if i'd heard of laurie anderson and i hadn't and he pulled up this video on YouTube of Laurie Anderson performing this song called Sharky's Day. And it just completely blew my mind. It was like, you know, sometimes you, as an artist, you're working on something and then you, you see something else and it reminds you of what you've been trying to do, you know, in this crazy way. Um, so without ever having heard Laurie Anderson before, I felt like I was already making work that was somehow felt akin to what she was doing once I found out about her. So, um, yeah, I love, I love her weird 
uh, playfulness that she has and how sometimes she speaks and sometimes she sings. And if you can find the video for that as well, that your listeners um, yeah. from this concert she did called Home of the Brave, uh, it's it's the visuals are just stunning as well. The, the it's, visuals are, it's just are a, incredible and so uh, you yeah. know I mean ahead of its time in so many ways the way she broke it down yeah, all those yeah. thoughts and ideas. Um, so oh, I, I I'm pretty sure this is the version that is on um, that video, uh, Peter. But let's hear it and we'll chat some more. Okay. So this is okay, okay. Sharky's Day by by Laurie Anderson. They sing. 
little girl sing. Sharky's Day, Laurie Anderson, and the home of, of the Brave <laughs> concert is actually the full thing. You can watch the whole thing uh, on YouTube. And w- one of the things I yeah. was thinking today, Peter, was that she, I suppose, the 10 years before um, Big Science, the breakthrough with O Superman, there was her work yeah. was taking her deeper and deeper into the avant garde. And she had, you know, she graduated with um, a master's in, in sculpture at Columbia. Mm-hmm. She had uh, been making incredible work, but, but it, it, it wasn't pointing in the direction of a, a pop career or anything but I mean it's right. just just shows you what <laughs> the magic that can happen somebody that brilliant um but um yeah that combination of the speaking and the singing is just she kind of she got uh, perfected that really in some way yeah yeah and uh you know I don't know there's just so much to love about Laurie Anderson I mean she's very brave she's very unique I love uh I was just really enjoying hearing that now and that that line you know, I turn around um, and it's fear. I turn around again and it's love. And it's like, mm-hmm. it just encapsulates so much for me in life. You mm-hmm. know, these, these sort of the, the, the yin and the yang and the, the push and the pull of all, all different things. And sometimes you find yourself in a situation and you think, oh, this is so good for me. And then all of a sudden you realize it's actually really bad for yeah. you. It's like you, you can, uh, this flip-flop effect. And it's very playfully uh, articulated in that song with Sharky's Day. Yeah, yeah, very playfully articulate is the thing because when you when you mentioned that line, when I went to look at the video and I turn around and it's fear and I turn around and slow, that is done in a very kind of Teletubby sort of way. I don't know if you know Teletubbies, but you know, as in, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the most yeah. the most the, the most deep and meaningful um, sort of observation turned into something very playful and choreographed and yeah. with very simple graphics and stuff. But um, yeah, there's so there's some kind of. There's something very poignant and truthful about the idea of of doing it in such a playful way, for sure, right? And and skillful, obviously, to be able to do that. Um, can we yeah. just stay, um, Peter, if you don't mind taking a little diversion, seeing as we're in New York City, okay. to talk about Arthur Russell for a little while? Um, oh, yeah, so, sure. Um, so, look, I, I I know that you've you've been um, working with his material, and and you've just released an album of amazing album of cover versions. We'll hear something from. From that in the middle or sorry in a moment but just in terms of if you could uh, by way of introduction just tell us about uh, how uh, you came to, to love his music and, and and you know briefly what it what it means or what it meant to discover it yeah yeah just you know another one of those instances uh, both like like laurie anderson and like brian eno where you know i'm sitting there going about my business trying to make stuff and then and then i come across this person's work and i it just justifies so much to me about what I'm already trying to do and inspires me to go even further with it. And um, funnily enough, the way I first heard of Arthur Russell was from people uh, coming to me after my concerts telling me I reminded them of Arthur Russell. And I also saw it in some early record reviews, um, uh, my, my musicality being compared to Arthur Russell before I'd ever heard his music. Um, and then... I didn't, you know, one day I just heard it at a friend's house and I was like, what is this music? And it was Arthur Russell. Um, and then I just sort of fell deep down the rabbit hole of uh, sort of uh, trying to find as much as his work as, as I could. And, you know, just like I mentioned with Brian, you know, earlier, it's the sheer diversity of it that just really sucked me in. You know, how could someone go from making a silly pop song to then making some really um, 
obscure soundscape uh, alternative, you know, kind of avant-garde composition. Um, so I just was so interested by that, and just uh, I just found his Arthur Russell's. Um, he's just so endearing, you know. He articulates these very uh, everyday kind of thoughts and and situations in a way that sort of draw attention to them. In his lyrics, I mean, um, his lyrics for me have drawn attention to so many little things that we experience in our days, but I haven't actually necessarily thought to stop and think about before until I heard him sing about it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So isn't that the, the, the same kind of thing that what Laurie Anderson did about just that kind of playfulness that music is capable of, of, of kind of uh, being insightful in ways that you previously hadn't kind of imagined? It's, it's kind of got a trick, uh, special magic when it comes to rearranging words and meaning. Absolutely. And, um, and yeah, they were, they, you know, they were both masters at that in, in, in very different ways. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously Arthur Russell's story is, is super intriguing, uh, in many ways, you know, he, he died prematurely, um, during the big, um, AIDS epidemic, you know, he, he just, he, he, he contracted AIDS at the wrong time and, and, and passed away, um, mm -hmm. uh, sadly in the early nineties, but he left behind so much work and, and it's, it's, um, he, he didn't release a ton of music while he was alive, but then after he passed away, all this, uh, all, you know, people started going through his tapes and putting together these compilations, mm -hmm. um, records. And, and that's when the bulk of his work started to come out. And when he started, started to, get the most recognition as well and, and, um, and there's so much more to come isn't there in that department well i don't know it, it there, there's certainly more there it's mm -hmm. it's it's i'm not the one to making those decisions there's the, the it's the man up to arthur's uh the the manager of the arthur russell estate as well as arthur's family that have survived him um and so it's ultimately up to them what comes out and when but but uh, as you say i i have been involved in some of that, uh, this through a, you know, freak coincidence, um, sort of universe matching me with something that I needed or needed me or something. I don't know. It blows me away that I got involved in it. Um, mm -hmm. but I did, I, I was asked to help go through Arthur, some of Arthur's archives and, um, do some, uh, mixing and editing and, uh, uh restoration type of work. Yeah. Um, a bunch of material came out as a record last at the end, towards the end of last year called Iowa Dream. Um, I might just play uh, the opening tune from that Wonder Boy and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more, okay? Oh, yeah. Please, please, please. I'm yeah. Wonder Boy. I can do nothing. The river was free of all ice except where the
Such a beautiful song, Wonder Boy, Arthur Russell, and um, so so. W- did you work on that one, Peter? I sure did. Yeah, I worked on all the songs on that record. Um, that one in particular, that uh, version, I didn't have to do too much on. There were multiple different versions of that song on different reels. Yeah. Um, and some uh, somewhere, uh, yeah, there it, it, it was a bit. I'm just trying to figure out which version to work with for mm-hmm. the final thing. But but yeah, that was a song that uh, uh, I always felt like that was just such a great um, record opener. And yeah. I'm so glad that the, oh, the, it's, it's so easy. That the rest of the people um, uh, 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 also felt that that song should yeah. go at the beginning. And when it came to the, the when it came to the multiple versions of each thing, right? So just on simply on the level of of how did he keep his records, his his kind of annotation, or was that is it is it is it easily sort of? I mean, is there is there a chronology to it, or is how how is it? Oh no, it's a big mess. I mean, okay. when when I first of all when I got involved at the, at the stage that I got involved, all of you know, because Arthur had recorded work on a variety of different formats, like reel-to-reels, different reel-to-reels. Um, I think there's something called an ADAT tape or some some um, uh, another technology. 80s um, format, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, when I got involved, uh, all of this work had been digitized. So, and and they digitized it all because it was starting to, you know, just some of it was starting to um, just kind of collect dust and get destroyed physically. Um, so they decided to digitize it all. And some of it, some of it, you know, got destroyed in that process. Um, so, so when I got involved, it was all digitized. And so I would be given a, a list of, can you go into this file? It's an hour long file of a digitized reel and find this song and make it sound as good as you can. And so I'd go in there looking for that song. But then, of course, I'd listen to the whole thing and go, well, what's all this other stuff? Mm-hmm. And sometimes in that process, I would discover another song that nobody had really paid any attention to or even had the time to hear. You see, because there's there's so much material that you, you no one person could get a grasp on mm-hmm. on all of it in mm-hmm. their mind. You know, it's yeah. too much for anybody to to to. Uh, organized in their heads or mm-hmm. um, get a handle. 
Um, so, so yeah, so sometimes I would find another piece and then bring that to the attention of, of, um, the man, Steve, who, who runs Arthur's estate and, and, and Tom Lee, who was Arthur's partner. I'd say, what about this song? And, uh, so sometimes mm -hmm. I was able to discover ones that, that were kind of just, you know, I don't know if they would have gotten discovered if I didn't have that job, or they probably would, but maybe not as soon mm -hmm. as they did. So, so, uh, so some, some of the ones but, but, yeah. on, the, on the Iowa album yeah, were, were literally sort of rescued from the deep by yourself, really. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not all. Some of them were, you know, Steve and the group, they knew from the start that they wanted this song on there, but mm -hmm. there's definitely a, a handful that um, that I really, uh, uh, you know, I think my love for them was so convincing and contagious that, uh, you know, I, I think anyway that, that it was a big part of why they ended up on the record. I don't want to take too much credit or anything because it, it really, ultimately, it was up to Steve and Tom to mm -hmm. decide what goes on the record, but... Um, I, I did. I did. Uh, I was. Yeah. Go on. Go ahead. I, I'm uh, just no, smiling ahead. at the idea of the of the universe conspiring to. Um, I, I'm I'm struggling to find an appropriate analogy, but a kid in a candy store is is doesn't even come yes. close. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 like a kid in the candy store, I did eat a little too much candy at times <laughs> and start to feel sick. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. There, there, there just was so much material there yeah. that, uh, mm -hmm. but but I I could not help myself because mm -hmm. you know Arthur's music has, if not the most, the biggest inspiration, mm -hmm. single biggest inspiration, one of them. Well, one of them for sure, if not the most, probably the biggest single yeah. inspiration to yeah. my own, uh, creativity. Well, um, so to be alone by myself with his archival material sifting through it was yeah kid in a candy store and 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 peter just something about the way he operated in the 80s right and um i mean there's you know i i'm, I'm really it's great to hear you say that he could be the single most influential in your own life in in terms of of artists who do you rate above i mean he's he's up there with the great artists for me there's just so many different strands that are so fascinating but i'm really interested in in his the way he plugged into the groove and to dance music and how he was, you know, um, I mean, so fantastic at making that too. And, uh, but also the idea of him being kind of the ultimate procrastinator. And um, I guess, you yes. know, having, ha having been around at that time myself, I think uh, it's lost on you young people, the extent of the change that happened with the advent of the Walkman, because right previous to that music, you know, it wasn't so much inside your head, but, I just get this feeling of, of, of there being the music that, that Arthur Russell made that it, it kind of lived inside his head. And, and I did read somewhere, or maybe I saw it, that, um, you know, he was, he was on the Walkman straight away and, uh, and was yeah. constantly yeah, listening yeah. to his own music. And I, I just love that idea. Yeah, I love that idea too. But there's a part of it that makes me feel uh, like a slight bit sick because I know what it's like to be working on something and get so obsessed with it that you're constantly listening to it over and over again until it completely loses all meaning to, to yeah. you and you don't know where to go. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I don't know for sure, but I think that's what happened to him sometimes is he just got a little too into it, perhaps, um, you know, uh, but but yeah, so, so it, 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 I, I, I cherish that thing. But I feel I think you, you have to know when to yeah. stop. For the it, sake of the song, for the sake of the thing, 
you have to you have to know when to stop and it's hard if you really yeah. like the thing and you want to keep hearing it yeah i i guess that's that that must be you know a, a key point when it comes to uh, offering advice to anybody about what they're doing is 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 recognizing that point but if you're in if you're in a world of your own and, and in his case it wasn't corrupted in any way by success or acclaim or attention of any sort so you know i i guess it was easier to get lost in that sense because you know he was it was for his own volition essentially yeah i think he had strong convictions you know very strong of of what he wanted to do um that's the way it seems anyway you know mm-hmm. like he just it was like his eyes were on the prize that was in his mind and he wouldn't stop until he'd mm-hmm. get there and oftentimes he just would never get there <laughs> yeah, um, yeah 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 um and yeah. um, just before we move back to your choices i just want to play something from from the arthur russell record peter and if you don't mind me saying i mean i guess it's the case with with lots of of these songs that appear on that wonderful record that you just released but of all of them that's us the wild combination i mean it's it's audacious to tackle a tune that perfect in its original state. But I will say, uh, just before I go on, is that you absolutely made it yours as well. Um, there's um, w- w- there's so many things about that song that I love. Do you know what the how Jennifer Warnes came to be the the singer on the original? I um, don't I don't know that story yeah. actually. I, I, I never I never, I never okay yeah much yeah. He does such a fine job, but look, maybe we can talk about uh, what you did with it after we hear it, okay? So this is Peter Broderick's sure, version sure. of That's Us, Wild Combination. Before we got there, that's morning time. Before we got there, that's morning time. Before we got there, that's morning time. Before we got there I just want to be Wherever you are Hard as I can be It's never too hard but this I love to see By its own line Love inside of me It's working at night Seconds before I See the dark Seconds turn This time that I saw Come to me Seconds turn this time that I Such fun to be with It's a big old world With nothing in it I can't wait to see you Another minute It's a wild Combination It's a wild Combination it's a while It's a love in you, baby It's a talk in the dark It's a walk in the morning It's a while Combination It's a while 
us wild combination uh peter beautiful version um i mean it was yeah like i said what i mean one of my favorite arthur russell songs and um and i think they can exist alongside each other for sure <coughs> cheers cheers thanks donald appreciate that um you know uh 
one of the most exciting things for me about that track that I just realized here, and again, is that um, it features both Arthur Russell's niece and nephew. Um, his niece is singing, uh, there's two females on that track, but she's one of them doing the harmonies. Yeah. And Arthur's nephew um, is playing all the funky percussion on that oh, track. Oh, wow. No way, because uh, I was going to, another, yeah. another observation was that you can dance to this version. What do you, what's that? I, my other observation was that you can dance to this version. So I think the percussion oh, yeah. really works in there. It's like... Yeah, um, you know, that was just another, it would take uh, a whole separate episode to talk uh, the whole Arthur Russell story for me. But, yeah. you know, it was amazing. Um, part of the story was getting to meet of uh, Arthur's family and, and finding out that they're, uh, some of them are musicians as well and, and being able to collaborate with them in recording some of my own renditions of Arthur's songs. So, And do they uh, appear yeah. on, on songs other than, than That's Us Wild Combination? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Bo, Bo, Arthur's nephew, he played percussion on three or four tracks. Um, and also um, Arthur's niece, uh, Rachel, she sings on the very last track, um, You Are My Love. Oh, right. Beautiful. There's a, there's a female voice. That, yeah, that's Arthur's niece. Wow. Um, yeah. Because so, I was actually yeah. going to ask you who was singing there because Bridget sings on Come to Life, but but she's only on that yeah. track, right? So, so um, yeah. Uh, Peter, before we move away from Arthur Russell, I want to ask if you wouldn't mind promising to come back to go down that rabbit hole fully um, at some point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because it, there's um, there's several shows in it because it's really interesting to get your perspective. And um, and it's a story that, you know, I think uh, we all need to we can't get enough of, of that story. But um, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Dono. So many people love his music and and I do have. A somewhat unique perspective having having spent all that time alone with his archives and yeah you know i would be more than happy to okay well that's a deal about then. that anytime so it's a deal and and you are the witness listeners so listen i i'm going to move on to to uh, your second last choice um so we're talking nina simone 1969 and um it's her at the piano so so what is it about this well um that that's a I have a great feeling of having discovered that record because it was at a it was at a record shop in Portland maybe you know it wasn't that long ago maybe five six seven years ago um, great little record shop called Little Axe Records um, and I, I had seen this cover on the wall one of the times I was in there it was one of the records they had on the wall there and then I came back another time and it was still there and so I, I was intrigued by it once again and I picked it up and I realized it was. Nina Simone, and I hadn't noticed that before because the 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 text is all um, the text is very strange looking on it because all the letters of her name are used to make a piano, so they're all kind of bent and twisted and uh, yeah, just looking so at I it. So I just yeah. I just bought it on a whim because I thought it looked cool, and I I didn't even own any Nina Simone records before. I'd heard her before and I respected her, but I didn't own any myself, so. I, I picked up that record and I just fell madly in love with it. And still to this day, it's one of my favorite Nina albums. It's just called Nina, Simone and Piano. Yeah. And I love it because it's just it's just her at the piano. There's a few overdubs here and there, but she plays everything herself, you know. So if there's an extra bit of percussion or something, that's her doing the tambourine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I, think it's, I think it's great to hear her so stripped down like that. And yeah. I, just, uh, I just was so impressed by you know, the power of both her piano playing and her voice. They're just, 
they're so powerful immensely so um and yeah i, yeah, I love that record that's she, the first song on that record that and it she's shows, she's and it just, in 1969 things are still going well she's she's in her prime so um never tired of loving you let's hear it I've never tired of loving you, Nina Simone. Um, I, I mean, we were talking yesterday with Bridget Peter about the artists who leave it all on the pitch, sometimes to the detriment very much of their own lives. But that's probably uh, really fair to say in Nina Simone's case. Perhaps she epitomizes that as in she gave everything of herself creatively, artistically. Um, and, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's lucky us that we have the work to go back to. Yeah, I mean, God, I'm, I'm just, that just, that song, once again, it, it always, it just, my eyes just completely glassed over there and I got the chills all over it. It's just mm. so powerful. It's so explosive. And that's the first track on the record. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
it's like that's the beginning it sounds like she's like any normal person would expend that much energy and then be done yeah you know yeah. and that's the introduction and it just Actually, there's, oh, th- that's a good point because I, I, when you see her in, in some, some of the concerts, including the Montreux one there, where, um, you know, it opens with such kind of like, uh, it opens how other concerts usually close, you know, as in that, that kind of yeah. e- epic thing. She brings that straight away, lays it out. Um, the, I suppose the, the, the level of her, her, her skills as a pianist is, is also evident there. Yeah, and throughout that whole record, you know, because there's no other distractions, really, you just, I mean, it, it, her piano playing shines through on most recordings. It, it really, it just, if, 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 if your listeners haven't seen uh, the film um, What Happened, Miss mm-hmm. Simone, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you can find it on Netflix. It's a beautiful uh, and troubling document, but you really can, can see the, her story and, um, you know, uh, having been brought up to play classical music, but then sort yeah. of rebelling against that. So then bringing that classical discipline into, yeah. you know, jazz and pop music, she really created her own style there. Yeah. And it just, it's, yeah. it's absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, the, 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 pian, or the, sorry, the piano playing of, of Eunice Wayman as she was before she became Nina Simone is, 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 is there, is threaded through all of her work. But, um, but I think, yeah. as yeah. you say, somehow, I guess by virtue of the training and then her determination and the sheer force of her, her soul, she just invented a place for herself, and it's just Nina Simone. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it is a force to be reckoned with. I would not want to get in the way of that yeah. force, you know. Yeah. If Nina's in a bad mood, uh, watch out. <laughs> yeah. um, I just want to go on to, Peter, before we end, right, we, you, you've chosen a piece by Arvo Part, um, but can I go back to your yeah. own work again? Uh, because when I was listening oh, to sure. Avo Part this morning and yesterday, um, uh, he, 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 there was something, a quote that I read about the piece Fratres that you chose, and uh, which combines that kind of frantic activity and then the, the sublime stillness. But um, there's a quote from him saying that it encapsulates his, his observations, saying that the instant and the eternity are struggling in us. And, and I love that idea. But when I was listening to his music and I went back to something that you made with Niels Fram, I, I thought maybe that's also kind of in the same area uh, with the instant and the eternity. Uh, but um, so can you just tell me a little bit about that collaboration? Um, I'm going to play Growing Water Wings, the Oliver Ray from the Oliver Ray record. Oh, yeah. Um... Well, that 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 whole record came out um, as a very specific project when um, Niels and I were planning a tour of Japan together. And the guy who organized the tour, uh, when was this? 2010, I think. Um, the guy who organized the tour was starting a small label. And um, so, yeah, we, we I forget whose idea it was, but somehow or another, we ended up with the idea of sort of doing a collaborative record to to go along with the tour. So, um, so yeah. Uh, and, and, and a lot of that record was, was, uh, made very sort of, um, improvisationally. Um, some of it is more composed songs and pieces, but I believe that first piece growing water wings, it's a long time ago now that I've heard it, but I'm pretty sure that's one of the ones that came more out of recording lots of improvisation and, and then going back and finding moments that, uh, that, that, that we liked and, and sort of embellishing them. Well, let's hear it and maybe you'll have some other thoughts. Growing Water Wings, Oliver Ray. 
Oliver Ray, that's Peter Broderick and Niels Fram together, uh, crowing Water Wings. Uh, Peter, any thoughts uh, hearing that for, for, I guess, the first time in a while? Yeah, brings back lots of memories, that one. Um, but yeah, it, it is a piece that, that was born out of improvisation. Um, at that time, uh, Niels and I were collaborating a lot together and, 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 and we have improvised together a lot and it had kind of um, developed a bit of a, uh, you know, our own sort of language together, improvising things, which happens, you know, when you play together with enough with someone, you know, you start to pick up on little cues from each other where you don't have to say, oh, let's go here and let's go there. You start to sort of pick up on, 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 on the other person. Um, and and, and so, that yeah. system of, of, of kind of interacting and communicating in that way. So would it extend to the shows that you play together or, or were they improved? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd say that's where it was born, really. Um, um, sort of being on stage and being forced to uh, make the best of it, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. His, his career since then, I mean, he's enjoyed great success. Absolutely, yeah, he sure has. Um, when was yeah, the last time you, you met up with him? Uh, it's been a while now. It's been a while. We, 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 I, I think it's fair to say that Nils and I have, have grown apart a bit. Um, I, I don't see much of him anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a, it's a, uh, to be, to be completely honest with you, Donald, it's a bit of a, a, a sore spot for oh, me. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to bring that up. <laughs> no, it's you, you, how could you have known? But, but yeah, yeah just hearing, the work that Nils and I did together, it, it puts me in a, in a strange mood. So I, I'm sorry if I don't sound as enthusiastic now as, as I did before. Absolutely not at all. Um, maybe we should just move on and um, go to sure, um, sure. our part. So where did this uh, music come in uh, for you, Peter? Well, uh, I learned about Arvo Park when I was a teenager, uh, I think 16, 15, 16 years old. Um, I was taking a sort of extracurricular painting class. Uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to get the hell out of there so badly that I started taking extra classes outside of my normal classes so that I could tally up some extra credits and get out of school a year early. Um, so one of those classes, they weren't all as fun as painting, but one of them was a great painting class with an awesome instructor who introduced me to a whole bunch of really great music that went on to be very quite formative for me. And, and one of those was Arvo Pert. Um, and yeah, the piece, uh, Fratres, I don't know which version you've found now. now there's, uh, there's, the, the, there's one that, the one that I was going to play was um, the one that I used to play on the radio, which was Tasman Little on the violin. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I do, I do, I do love uh, that version. Um, there's a there. I, I would I would uh, encourage also your listeners to go also and and find um, some other versions that are more for string ensemble. Oh yeah. Because the they're 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 actually it becomes a piece of music when it's played by an ensemble right, as opposed to that um, the solo violin version. It's it's very frantic, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and there's there's some other versions for string ensemble. Uh, which which uh, oh, don't have that franticness, and they're much more um, just actually quite uh, oh um, I don't know they're just very lush and uh, devastating really yeah um, which which versions so in particular because I I can find those 
I, I wouldn't know what the ensemble is. Oh, let, yeah. let, let me see if I can. If you search for um, Arvo Pirate um, strings on string ensemble or strings and, and percussion. Yeah. Um, as opposed to solo fiddle and percussion. But honestly, um, I'm, I'm only saying that because that's the version that I learned first. And so that's the okay. one that sort of it's the spot most for me. But I love the solo violin yeah, version it's, as well. It's also, it's also incredibly beautiful. Yeah, and it might be nice for me to be exposed to that a bit more since I know the other version. And uh, so the much thing, more, the so. thing is, uh, Peter. So when it comes to that quote that I said there about the about the idea of there being the instant and the eternity, and and there is something really at play there between the, the all of that activity, that frantic activity, and then mm. the the stillness that that's in between all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Those kind of pauses where it just yeah. breaks down from. Yeah. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah.
That's Fratres with Avopart, played by Tasman Little and a Bournemouth Sinfonetta. How does that version sound, Peter, to you? Wow, it's it's gorgeous. It's devastating. I mean, how, 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 how does that piece of music make you feel? I'm curious to know. Uh, <laughs> well, it never fails to stop me in my tracks, you know, which is what it did originally, I think, uh, when I discovered yeah. that, that music in Avopart. I just downed tools effectively in terms of of um trying to find other music because it just opened up a place that was previously inaccessible which is what music does i guess it just takes you somewhere and i'd never i didn't know what minimalism was i didn't know what i mean i didn't really know what sort of i mean in many ways what anything was <laughs> but it showed yeah. me something in that in that thing and um all of that music right um that period mid 70s his tabula rasa spiegel im spiegel fratres and uh countess and memory of Bren benjamin Britten. um yeah. yeah i stayed in that place for a very long time i have to say um so yeah it's it yeah, has, it, yeah it has the same power as it had then to to just transform everything and and yeah i guess you step outside of of, of the normal time space continuum and you go to yeah. yeah there's something very uh unrelenting about it i, mm. I find and 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 uh and 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 sad but sad in a in a way that 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 is complete agony almost like like yeah. like when someone passes away and you're sad but you're you're not just sad you're you're in agony it's not a it's not a sentimental sadness like like nostalgia or something you know it's not that at all. It's 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 very. Um, I find it quite brutal, but like so, uh, so true. You know, just in the way that you just you cannot ignore mm -hmm. these uh, more agonizing parts of our lives. Like like when an old friend of yours gets brought up and it puts you in a weird mood all of a sudden. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the the agony. The thing. They're just a part of life. <laughs> the agony and the ecstasy. Yeah, yeah and totally. yeah. That's a that's a lovely way of putting it, Peter. I was I was kind of intrigued to learn that um, his his earlier compositions, so his work from in the mid in the sixties and the earlier part of the seventies was in. I mean, I'm not a musician nor a composer, but it, it was in a completely different style. He he it was kind of um, neoclassical in style, and that 
period of, of writing came after an extended break um, that he took of contemplative silence. So it seems to have worked. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so, I remember that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Um, Peter, I'm just going to bring it back around to where we started off. Right. And um, I'm going to okay. play something from home and, and we're going to go back to that song. And it's all right. But before that, uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time and spending so much time. Um, you know, you're, it's it's fair to say you're one of our favorite artists and one of the great artists. So to be picking your brains about your musical journey is quite something. So thank you so much for taking the time. Well, you're very flattering, Donald. I, I appreciate the support immensely. And, you know, it's been a, a great way to spend an afternoon in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. So and, 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 and on that bombshell, not only is it all right, but everything is all right. So we're going to leave you with that one. OK, um, cool. so cool. thanks again, Peter. Yeah. Thank you for your work. And yeah, take care of yourself. Bye now. Right, bye. So